Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today we look at some big cities and how terrible things are going there. Uh, so many of them, uh, once again, uh, have uh, shown to be uh, left-leaning Democrats who have decided to apply these fantasy policies to their cities and things aren't going well. And then we look at a different type of city, uh, a smaller town run by a conservative and what he's doing as far as the masks are going uh, on in, in his particular community. Uh, he's being called radical. Listen to him. Tell me if you think he is. Uh, also, um, we have a guest from Zambia uh, who's going to tell us a little bit about what it's life like for uh, African Americans, or I guess he would say not. He would be upset at that term, but African Americans around the globe, um, <laughs> which doesn't make too much sense. But you find out that uh, maybe it's not so bad for for black people here in America when you compare it to the rest of the world. We go into that as well as Cheryl Atkinson, uh, former CBS and many uh, mainstream media sources. Um, she's worked all over the place, and she's here to tell us about what's really going on in the media today. Uh, you can uh, get the uh, podcast, of course, right here by subscribing and rating and reviewing. That's always appreciated, as well as doing the same for Stu Does America, which is also available on this platform uh, as well. Uh, and you can check the show out on YouTube and, of course, by subscribing to blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you use the code FIGHTTHEMOB right now, they're running a special, 20 bucks off your annual subscription. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So uh, Richard Newton, Dr. Mayor Richard Newton, uh, mayor of Colleyville, Texas, he is not going to uh, police the mask mandate among the uh, uh, COVID-19 panic. And the mayor, the uh, governor has said everybody needs to wear masks. Uh, He's closing down the bars. Things are getting uh, heating up with the youth in Texas. And he says he's not going to do it. That's not making him popular with uh, some people and other people love it. Richard Newton, welcome to the program. Thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate you having me on this morning. Sure. Now, there's people, I mean, because I know, I talk to people in New York City and Los Angeles, and they're like, you people are crazy. You just want everybody to die. Um, And it's different in some of the cities than it is uh, around most of America. But Texas is starting to see some real numbers climb. Why have you decided not to wear masks or enforce masks? Yeah, so if you allow me, let me first tell your audience uh, what it is I'm not doing because there's many misconceptions out there. One, uh, I am not anti-mask. On the contrary, I and Colleyville have encouraged individuals to take all precautions they can to protect themselves and their families. The individual decision is very important. I wear masks. My wife has made 40 masks for our families. These are personal individual decisions. Number two. I have not countermanded the Tarrant County order. The Tarrant order is actually for businesses to establish a policy to wear a mask and their customers. That's the issue. And I'm not aware of any business in Carleville that hasn't put the policy in place. And three, if I get a chance before we're through, there have been no deaths in Carleville. That's very important. And I would like to explain to you why if I get to that point. Uh, well, so go ahead. I, uh, explain it. Oh, the, well, go ahead and explain that. Okay, I learned there's been no deaths in Colleyville. Our numbers have consistently been very low. But I learned yesterday there's a fake 
profile, Facebook profile, by the name of Sherry Michaels, and uh, is posed as a very conservative, religious individual, and wrote this very long, gut-wrenching uh, post about her eight-year-old child dying in Colleyville. Yesterday afternoon, for whatever reason, I guess, or pressure brought on her, but uh, she has recanted and said that's all fake, it's not true. So my message to people is please be very careful in what you read in the social media and react to because there's much in it that's just flat wrong and uh, purposely erroneous. So that was my why, why did she? Why did she do that? Is she... Is she a very religious conservative person with a kid, or is she none of those things? No. In fact, I don't even know if it's a, we- a woman who ever created this fake profile. But in the recant, the recant was actually uh, more vicious than the uh, the story. And the true curl- colors came out. She called me and all my elected officials and Colleyville fascist and all the all the terrible <laughs> things that they could dream up. So it was clearly a political stunt. Uh, but that's going on. I did. People just need to know that that really is happening, and it affects. She had she had hundreds of thousands of comments and stuff. It's it's uh, really a shame. Very devious and vicious. Okay, so Richard, um, uh, you would probably be uh, the most disappointing fascist to fascists, uh, seeing <laughs> yeah. that you are you are not willing to say you must do these things. <laughs> Um, and I want to make it clear again, but you are, you wear a mask yourself and you think it's a right. good idea to wear masks. You're only doing this as a personal liberty thing. Yes. And the reason I'm doing this, this is the most interesting part of all of this. Uh, the, the DA's office had a conference call with all the police departments, including us, and indicated that, she, that they have no way to prosecute this. This is unenforceable. And so... Uh, I cannot be uh, dishonest to my citizens. I need to tell them the truth. I do not believe any city in Tarrant County can enforce this, and that's why we're not doing it. It would put our police in a very awkward situation, a very embarrassing situation. It could lead to uh, such a thing such as the uh, Dallas Salon debacle, where they were in this enforcement paradox, and it was embarrassing to everybody. So it just doesn't make sense to... For the government to try to tell a business to enforce something that even the government cannot enforce itself. That's unfair to the business and the citizens, actually. But I would encourage everybody to do it. So why are people so upset then, Mayor? I mean, because well, I, you I, have been I, called everything under the sun and, and you, you, yeah. you know, you don't care about people and you're an embarrassment to the city. I mean, that's what people are saying. I love this. I have friends in Plano and Frisco and Dallas, and they all think we're nuts. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to live in Colleyville right now. That's and the people Carolyn I've Span. Yeah, the people I've talked to, I talked to a young mother yesterday at some length, and uh, I just asked them questions. And. And asking questions, uh, you know, they they think that I have, and they've been told, and in social media, our detractors uh, say that we're not, we don't want, we're we're making people not wear masks. Well, that's completely untrue. So they don't have the correct information. They don't they don't understand that this is not enforceable. This is not a mask issue. This is an enforcement issue. It's a, a and 
and then they they I don't under you know why that's happening. I, I can't tell you why that's happening, but that's what is happening. So I always simply calmly ask people what they're why they think they're why they mad at Collegeville and want to tell me things that are wrong. I I, I correct them on what's right. And typically, have you ta- once I they they so understand, but may not agree, but they understand it. <laughs> Uh, in the governor, how's your relationship with the governor, Greg Abbott? That's very good. I think Governor Abbott has done a fantastic job. I mean, I know some people disagree, but I think he's he's very considered. He considered all factors. I think this Tarrant County order was uh, put together very quickly without a lot of thought, with no discussion with the cities on how to enforce it. Uh, and that that came about after the fact, after he put the order in. But Governor Abbott, it's not enforceable because Governor Abbott himself has edicted that there is no local governmental agency that has the right to mandate that individuals wear masks. And he's done that because it's a constitutional issue. It's, uh, he's not going to violate that. So that's the reason it's unenforceable. How do you feel about all the uh, governors and the uh, mayors around the country that are just grabbing all this power? Well, I think it's unfortunate that uh, they're using this to, for exactly what you said, to grab power and to, I think it's unfortunate when government entities do things uh, that, such as this, is unenforceable, but it's, it's, they know it's what people want to hear. And so they do it. But it's kind of a hollow thing to do to me. I think it's important to be straight up with people. The reason is I have had citizens ask me, say, well, if you aren't going to enforce it, why do you just say anything? Don't say anything. Which, by the way, is what all the other cities are doing. They're just not saying anything, but they're in the same situation mm-hmm. we're in. And I, I say that for three reasons. One, just my personal principles. When, I took, when I'm in office, I think I owe it to our citizens to be straight up and honest with them. That's just a personal principle. In Colleyville, we have four key principle values. Two of them are communication and transparency. So we're going to communicate, and we're going to be completely transparent. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why I needed to tell people up front our position. Number three. If we just said nothing, I can guarantee you what would happen, and probably will happen somewhere, is somebody walks into a business and sees somebody without a mask. They get very upset. They want to call the police to get it corrected and to enforce the policy. They call the police. The police comes over, and the police said, I'm I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. And then the police department gets blamed for not doing their job. I think that's a terrible position for politicians to put their police force and their city staff in. And I won't do it. I simply don't think it's right. Richard, I think there's probably a lot of people out in the uh, listening audience now all over America that's like, I wish that guy was our mayor. Um, Thank you for explaining this. It is a very different story than we're getting in uh, the media. Even the, you know, local Dallas media uh, has got this wrong. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on and giving the opportunity to explain that. I really do appreciate it. You bet. You bet. Thank you so much. Mayor, Dr. or Dr. Mayor, Mayor, Dr. I don't remember which comes first. Richard Newton, the mayor of uh, Colleyville. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
There's a guy who um, I think was making videos on time. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the American people didn't feel that way. Now his videos online on YouTube are uh, burning everything up. His uh, name is Dr. Vody Bacham. He is the Dean of Theology at the African Christian University. He is an American that now lives abroad in Zambia, where he is actually um, taking care of black lives. And uh, he joins us now over the phone. Vody, how are you, sir? I am fine, Glenn. Thank you for having me back. You bet. You bet. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a, a few things. First of all, can can I get your comments and your thoughts about white Jesus? Because now there's a movement and a new poll out that says 31% of blacks want the white Jesus destroyed and replaced with black Jesus. Uh, that's interesting on a number of levels. Uh, not least of which, you know, a lot, a lot of black people had the same experience. If you grew up, you know, in, in, a, in a black household, especially if you grew up, you know, in the South. But I grew up in Los Angeles and it was still true there. When you went into a home of a, a black person, an older black person, uh, there were generally three pictures on the wall. There was a picture of Martin Luther King. There was a picture of John F. Kennedy. And there was a picture of Jesus. And, and it was the white Jesus. <laughs> And, and nobody ever complained about the ethnicity uh, of Jesus on the wall. Um, and it really became an issue more with the Black Power Movement, and especially with uh, organizations like the Nation of Islam uh, and others. So that, that's, that's one thing that I find interesting about this. A second thing that I find interesting about this is I'm a Reformed Baptist, right? And so for me... I don't want any images of Jesus. I think it's a violation of the second, command, the second commandment. But if mm. I were to advocate for taking down all images of Jesus because of the second of the Ten Commandments from God Almighty, I would be dismissed out of hand as a religious zealot. But now, in the age of anti-racism, somebody mm -hmm. wants white Jesus taken down and there is absolutely no objection. And so for me, what's interesting about this is that it points to what I see as a new religion. This is a religious fervor that we see. There are new commandments. There is a new canon of scripture. Um, there is a new definition of sin, a new definition of salvation. Um, and unfortunately for white people, there is no salvation because you are a racist and a white supremacist. There's nothing you can do about it. And ultimately, <laughs> you can never be cured, which means you can never be forgiven. Well, that sucks to be us, doesn't it? Well, not you, but me. Uh, so, uh, so, so, Listen, it's great, so, uh, great to be me, man. I can be worshipped. I can have people bow down on their knees before me and, 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 and yeah. shine my shoes. And if I'm not happy with them shining my shoes, I can ask them for a stock in their company. Um, I can just tell people to shut up and listen to me. I, you know, it, it's crazy. It's, it's great. absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's, and what I'm talking about crazy. is the backlash. People are not going to continue to do this forever. And, and there's real racism, racism out there. There are real racists out there. There's real hatred out there. It's being driven underground. And I, I, what I'm worried about is the backlash and the response. How do you mean? What, what, do, you, what do you fear? <laughs> well, 
what I fear is people coming to a place where they say, listen, this is crazy. It's stupid. It's a bridge too far. I, I don't want to talk about these issues anymore. I reject this. I reject you. And all of a sudden, any type of real conversation about real problems goes out the window because of the unreasonable nature of the way these things are being forced right now. So how do we avoid that? Because, I mean, when you get down to take the statues and all the stained glass window of Jesus and his white friends, look, Jesus, I don't think Jesus was white. I think he looked like a a Jew from the Middle East. I think that's what he probably looked like. But I don't care. That's not essential to my salvation. I don't care what he looked like. I really don't. But when you when you get down to this, where you are, you are now taking things that are deeply, deeply personal. How do you stop it? Uh, that's what I'm referring to when I talk about the backlash. Um, th- these these things are unsustainable. People are only going to bow the knee for so long. Um, people are only going to bow down in, in obeisance before the statue of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for so long before people finally say, um, listen, that's enough and that's too far. And Glenn, here, here, here's, here's why that's an issue. Because with this movement, um, with, with this, this radical Marxist movement, this Black Lives Matter movement, a 99 is an F. And we need to be clear about that. A 99 is an F. You can do everything that they demand of you. But the minute you decide that's a bridge too far, the response is you failed. I knew you were a white supremacist. I knew you were a racist. And you're completely repudiated. And any kind of absolution that you had is immediately taken back. So was, was Mike Pence right in refusing to say Black Lives Matter? Yes, I think he was. And what worries me is that there are so many Christians who are not taking that stand. That because, again, we have to separate, we have to separate this movement from issues. So here's what, here's what the Marxists do. Here's what the Marxists have always done. You, 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 you use words and phrases and you pour into those words and phrases your own meaning. And oftentimes you, you create kind of a, this, this Kafka trap, you know, where uh-huh. if somebody does not use the phrase that you want them to use, it proves that they are what you say they are, right? So prove you're not a racist by using that phrase. You refuse to use that phrase, then you're a racist. Uh, yeah, but let me just, play devil. Let me let me let me push back on you, and you tell me how to handle it. So then, Vody, Black Lives don't matter to you. Yeah, see, I'm not playing your game. Why? Why do I need to play that game? You, you first of all, well, because it's a very easy. It's a very easy thing to say. Black Lives Matter, don't they? Yes, why? Why would you thing. refuse to say? I it? know. I know that that is a phrase that is part of an organization. It is a trademarked phrase, and it's a phrase designed to use black people, 
that phrase dehumanizes black people because it makes them pawns in a game that has nothing whatsoever to do with black people and their dignity and has everything to do with a divisive uh, agenda that is bigger than black people. Uh That's why I'm not going to use that phrase because I love black people. I love being black. I I love black people because I are one, right? Uh That's number one. Number two, I don't have to prove anything to you. That's number two. This is about me being right with God. And number three, this movement is dangerous. This movement is vicious. And this movement uses black people. And so if I'm really concerned about issues in the black community, and I am, then I have to refuse and I have to repudiate that organization because they stand against that for which I am advocating. Tell me, tell me why it's not good enough to be a non-racist, to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. That seems like a pretty good goal. Yeah, but until you recognize what that means, right? Being anti-racist means that you advocate against racism. And that sounds good too, right? But then we have to define racism. And we define racism according to critical theory. Critical theory, which comes from Marx, the Marxist idea that, you know, you reduce everything to oppressed and oppressors, this sort of Hegelian view of history, right? So you keep Mm -hmm. backing these things up. And what these guys have done is they've created an entire glossary of terms, right? And if you, if you, if you agree, you're sort of backed into another corner and then backed into another corner. And eventually, this is, this is my problem. And people, a lot of people ask, well, why, why are you going to Glenn Beck's program? Um, number <laughs> Already? one. Yeah, oh, You've yeah. Been on once. I'm, sure ask, I'm sure people ask you, you know, why, why, why you have me on your program. Cause, you know, no, you're I've, I've got nothing but me, good right? letters on you. <laughs> uh, well, just hang in there. They're coming, brother. Hang in All there. All right. Um, okay. But, 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 here, but here's the thing, because what is happening in our country and what is happening in the media is that we're removing God from the equation. And, and, and I'm on here because this is one of the only places that I can be free to address that. And to me, that's what's really dangerous and egregious about this. This is a new religion moving toward a utopianism that finds salvation outside of God, that finds hope and salvation outside of Christ. That is completely unacceptable. And it's also idolatry. We are literally bowing before men. We're bowing before statues of men. That's idolatry, Glenn. And we're, we're trying to find hope in places where there is no hope. It's an over-realized eschatology. We believe that the government is going to save us. Here's what I find interesting, right? So we, we end slavery in, in, in so 1865, and then, you know, we get the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment. All right. Excellent. The government did something about, you know, racism and white supremacy. Ah, not so fast. 
because then we have, you know, segregation, Jim Crow, the KKK, and all this sort of stuff. Okay, fine. The government's got to come back 100 years later, 1864, 1865. We have the Civil Rights Act, and then we have the Voting Rights Act. Finally, the government has responded. Ah, not so fast. Now here we are, a generation later, when the government has not been able to eradicate racism, right? So what's our answer? Advocate for the government that has proven incompetent in these areas to do it for us, but for real this time. Glenn, it's the wrong answer. Now, let me hurry to say, I want good laws. I absolutely want good laws. I'm not one of these individuals who says, you know, ah, politics, why should we have anything to do with politics? Ironically, people have considered me too politically active for, for a, lot of, a lot of my ministry, right? And so I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't advocate for that. What I'm saying is right now what I'm seeing is that people are pressing this like, like this time we're, we're finally able to get the ball over the goalposts. And I'm saying absolutely not. Christ is our only hope. He is our only answer to these issues. But when critical theory comes in, and now everything becomes systemic, and we move outside of the individual, all of a sudden our hope does become a systemic hope, a governmental hope. And so what I don't want to see, you talking about that backlash again, you know, is people saying, number one, we don't need to deal with the hearts of men anymore because we absolutely do. Racism is real. Prejudice is real. Or saying that we only need to deal with the hearts of some men because now we say racism is something that only white people, you know, can experience. Glenn, I know some black racists. I, I'm, I'm related to some. Okay. And they need their hearts changed, right? And so I'm worried about that. And, and so much of this just moves us away from the truth. And it moves us away from legitimate discussions about real things that actually do need to change and be addressed. So what how do you address people who say look i'm yeah 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 they're marxists but i'm not a marxist and and most of the people that are marching are not marxist and so you know we're just trying to get some change here on some on some real issues i mean cuz that's really what people are saying i think they they just don't believe the marxist uh, side of it i don't know how and you have a lot of churches now going in and going all full black lives matter yeah you you absolutely do um and some people because they don't know what the organization is about and others in spite of the fact that they do know uh what the organization is about and uh, you listen i i am not saying that we don't advocate for change that, that that's that's I mean that's the that's the nature of the American experiment right that's the mm-hmm. nature of of our history as a country uh, every every couple of years we're advocating for change. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to talk to you a little bit more about Black Lives Matter and some of the things that we. 
um, that we talked about last Wednesday on the uh, television show, because we went through the funding of Black Lives Matter. And it is it is truly remarkable uh, what, uh, you know, what 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 we know about Black Lives Matter and how they how they get all of their uh, all of their funding. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about one of the things that we we showed last Wednesday um, is the the group that I don't think you might have heard of, but I don't think you really understand what it is. Democracy Alliance. Have you ever heard of that, Stu? Democracy Alliance? Yes, I've heard of it for, only from you, though, I think. I mean, they're not a, yeah, a well-known okay. thing to the average person. Do you know what it is? Uh, I don't want to say the word laundering, um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, that's my impression uh, well, of it. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I didn't say that. Um, it's a dark money organization, and it was founded by, guess, George Soros, but also has very influ- influential uh, members uh, like Tom Steyer. Hmm. Tom Steyer. Why do I know that name? Now, since 2005, this one organization, Democracy Alliance, has directed six hundred million dollars to progressive candidates and policies six that's over half a billion dollars from this one organization now soros and rob stein created this um money-making jug juggernaut if you will um and they knew after the election of uh, president bush in 2004 uh they knew that the progressive party was in trouble and so they got together and they did something and i boy i I wish i was telling you a story about republicans doing things like this or or constitutionalists or uh libertarians doing something like this but nope nope we don't so what they did is they get together with 70 of their billionaire friends and millionaires and they got together with them in 2005 with a long-term goal of the progressives taking power. Soros donated $18 million of his own money. Now, here's how they operate. Secrecy apparently is paramount. Democracy Alliance, the members, meet twice every year, but their agendas are, uh, and who attends, highly guarded secrets. We, we had a... Um, a um a document that was smuggled out of one of the uh, meetings and it is it's pretty shocking it shows media format uh, media matters for america as one of their main allies and they outlined a a whole way that media matters can operate but they gosh they need more funding and when you look at the progressive groups that they are funding, it is astonishing. 
America Votes, American Constitution, Black Civic Engagement Fund, Brennan Center, Center for American Progress, Center for Community Change, Center for Budget and Policy Priorities, the Common Purchase uh, Purpose Project, Fund for the Republic. Oh, that sounds nice. The Latino Engagement Fund, Media Matters for America, New Media Ventures, New Organization uh, Institute, Organizing for Action, Progressive Majority, Progress Now, Slate uh, state voices women's equality center youth engagement fund i mean it just goes on and on i'm 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 really just not even out of the a's um democracy alliance maintains its privacy of its members and the dark money and what they are acting as is this combination of the world bank and a social network for progressive billionaires and here's what you have to do if you want to be a member. You have to pay a $25,000 initiation fee. Oh, do they spank my bottom? Uh, $30,000 a year in dues and an additional $200,000 a year to groups that Democracy Alliance supports. But the vast majority of funds come from solicited donations from outside of the billionaires of which Democracy Alliance serves as a pass-through to their favorite organizations. So it's a pass-through. Or what did you so inaccurately describe this as, Stu? I I was honestly a little distracted. I was thinking about I have some dirty clothes uh, at home, and I need to put them in the the laundry machine and clean them and and cleanse them so that people wouldn't necessarily know that they were dirty before. But now they'll say, wow, those are clean clothes. And the whole time you'll be thinking, yeah, they've actually been really dirty in the past and you don't know about it. So that's I was thinking about a home... (laughs) A home issue with my clothing, and I, right. I, okay. I, I think I, mm-hmm. I think I got it. I think I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked about how people are um, influencing what's happening on our streets. Um, Project Veritas had a video that we we showed you last week, where there are national organizers um, with a group called Refuse Fascism. And it's an organization that works in tandem with uh, Antifa and now is plotting the destruction of capitalism, you know, from swanky, you know, upscale restaurants where they where they talk about, hey, we've got and we have the video of it, uh, you know, George Soros uh, and Tom Steyer. I mean, we we've been talking to them now. They don't want to be named, but they're going to. They're going to come out and they've got some really big things that they uh, are going to do. And there's going to be, oh, we have the video. Go ahead and play it. Listen to this. We did apply for a grant from Soros at one point a long time ago. We actually did get a, a, a grant from them. There is going to be a need for thousands of people and then millions to come into the streets. We're trying to meet with Tom Steyer. We've been talking to his assistant, meeting with his main his main advisor on impeachment. I think he has political ambitions that he may actually want to not be directly connected. Okay, so they're talking about um, how they did get money from Soros and how they're meeting with Tom Steyer, and they don't want to be directed, um, directly connected. Um, but that what their goal is, is to put uh, thousands of people on the streets and then millions of people on the streets this summer. 
Now, this came out before there were thousands on the streets and millions on the streets. And they are talking about uh, protests and riots and anarchy. This is very, very well crafted. This is exactly what is behind um, the people of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is not a charitable organization. You you're not when that's why they're not raising money themselves. They'll say give to Black Lives Matter. But when you go there, you're actually giving to Act Blue, which is a 501C4. Stu, do you know? Um, and so you can you can get a charitable contribution um, for your taxes. But that's because it's going to Act Blue and when you see how they're spending their money at Black Lives Matter, very little of it actually goes to Black Lives Matter in the first place. Act Act Blue is another. Hey, uh, ju- let me just pardon me for just a second. Stu, don't forget to do your laundry. Yeah. I, I, OK, I to make I just, sure we keep up with that, because laundering is uh, your your clothing is very important. Your clothing is very, very important. So anyway, uh, so, so you're looking now at a group that is uh, is funding, of course, um, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, giving them uh, the money that you donate. Not all of the money. We don't think not all of the money. We think a portion of the money and out of that portion about 80% of it goes to the global operations, which means uh, consulting fees. Hmm. Who are they consulting with? Um, the salaries and the air travel for a global organization. Only 6% of it goes actually to the inner city. Only 6% of it goes to the local chapters. God only knows what they're doing with it. But this is a giant fundraising scheme. And it's all going into the same pot that are doing a lot of advertisements and a lot of other things uh, for the Democrats so they can win in this next election. We're all being played here. And Mike Pence was right for not saying Black Lives Matter. We all know that they do in reality, but we, those of us who are paying attention, also know exactly who these people are and what, how they are using black people, how they are using the plight, um, and how they are souping things up with all cops are bad uh, to get their way in November. But they're not only just those power players are not only using the black strife, they are using Black Lives Matter. They're using these these Marxists to be able to forward it. And there's one thing that uh, uh, George Soros is not. He's not a Marxist. So why would someone be giving money to a bunch of Marxists? Because they're useful idiots. They're the ones that will, in the end, be scooped up. They're the ones, in the end, that the bottom-up, top-down, inside-out really is effective. Right now, you don't really want the top to come down uh, with, uh, with Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump 
is not going to be the effective one. The effective one is possibly the next president who won't even know when he's in the Oval Office or when he's taking nappy naps and drooling on his pillow. Uh, when Joe Biden gets in, if he, God forbid, gets in, when that happens and the streets rise up, he'll then be authorized to go in and quash those uh, those few Black Lives Matter uh, Marxists. And the top will come down. And unfortunately, it will come down on them and on us. And that's the revolution without a shot fired. That's exactly how it's happened with Marxists and communists over and over and over again in country after country in the 20th century. Na, na, na.